This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. Our thanks to John Carlson of 2% Realty for joining us in the first segment. Coming up uh, this hour, how to protect your assets with Chris Sabat of Macmillan Estate Planning. But first, a few highlights from the week on Vancouver Consumer. And if there was a sure sign we're moving forward, we are pleased to announce Playland at the PE is coming back through a phased-in approach starting July 10th. Twelve of the most popular rides will open, and more through the summer, depending on how it goes. By the way, admission to Playland will be under $30 during the first phase, and that will include a complimentary face mask. That other mecca for kids and parents, Chuck E. Cheese, has filed for bankruptcy protection, which allows them time to financially restructure. Chuck E. CEO said this week he still does not know how willing parents will be to host birthday parties and other gatherings. We suggest you check your local Chuck E. Cheese. But in an open letter earlier this week, and I quote, Please be assured, Chuck E. Cheese remains open for business. A quick check of the Langley location indicates they are open. The National Hockey League will not be using Vancouver as one of its hub cities for its restart. There were a number of health issues at play, obviously, and Health Minister Dix said this week he's not bending the rules for anybody. At the same time, Phase 3 of the province's restart plan was unveiled. It includes allowing non-essential travel within B.C., as well as kick-starting the TV and movie biz, hotel, and movie theaters. According to a new report from Deloitte, Canada, BC is poised to weather the economic uncertainty better than any other province. Deloitte's chief economist said, and I quote, the BC economy will be the outperformer, posting the mildest downturn and returning to pre-COVID levels the quickest, end of quote. The figures are still worrisome, however. Deloitte predicts our economy to contract by about 5% in 2020 before experiencing a 6% growth in 2021. Growing and maintaining your estate is what we're going to tackle next. Chris Sabat, Chief Legal Counsel with Macmillan Estate Planning. Christopher, how are you doing today? I'm great, and how about yourself? We're doing great. We've got a lot to talk about, so uh, let's get it going uh, Chris, I know with the pandemic, uh, things are reopening slowly right across the country. But boy, was it a wake-up call to get our financial act together. Did you notice a surge in people coming to you for estate planning advice saying, you know, this kind of woke me up to what I need to be doing because all of a sudden, uh, not only am I, but those around me are just so vulnerable yeah, you know, absolutely. There was there was certainly, um, you know, an increase in sort of requests for services. You know, I, I would say initially there was a lot of concern around, you know, what, what, you know, what if something should happen? You know, what if this, this illness should impact me or someone close to me? What does that mean from an estate planning perspective? You know, do I, do I have my affairs in order? And then, you know, once that sort of initial... Um, concern passed, you know, we saw all of the impacts that happened in relation to the market. And so people started to think about, you know, goals and objectives for retirement, for their estate as a whole. And, you know, there certainly was a a shift in in the sorts of of questions that we were receiving on our end. Well, I was looking at an article recently, Chris, and we've talked about this in the past when uh, Macmillan Estate has been on with us and you as their general counsel about... um, 
investing and preparing wills and estates and estate planning and all of that stuff, that it should be age appropriate. I'm, I'm looking. I was looking specifically at investing. How you know, with life changes as uh, we grow a little bit older, everything changes, and you obviously see that in putting together, creating an estate plan. It's one thing to create an estate plan for someone who's 50, but then 10 years fly by, and oh my goodness, look at the life changes. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, what what we saw, particularly around, around 2008, was that, you know, we had many, many clients that for years had been planning to, to retire, or, you know, had been planning to, to retire. And then, of course, you know, you end up with the dramatic market correction or the, the fluctuations in market value. And for, for some folks that, you know, maybe didn't pay the attention that they should have to their overalls, you know, their overall estate planning objectives, they ended up with a bit of a wake-up call and, and in some cases had to sort of push off retirement or, or change their plans entirely because, you know, the, the asset base that they thought would be there when when they retired just actually actually didn't exist anymore. And so, you know, a big part of what we're doing now is is we're sort of mapping out, um, you know, mapping out an individual's plans for the future and and ensuring that when that time comes, when investments mature and that sort of thing, that that they have the value that was anticipated that would be required for, for retirement. You know, at the end of the day, we're, we're all living longer. And, and for some of us, we're going to live longer in retirement than we did in our working career. And we really need to think about how we're going to fund that. When I look at that figure, age figure 100, and how uh, folks in your business, uh, state planning business at uh, McMillan Estate, are looking at people living to 100 and developing estate strategies for people to have enough money uh, to get them through to 100. I mean, who would have thought that several years ago? Well, and, and that's that's a big part of the challenge is that, that, you know, a few years ago, many people didn't sort of have that that idea or that notion as as part of their plan. And so now they're in a situation where they are living longer and they hadn't actually, you know, planned to, you know, didn't plan to live that long. And so they're, they're having to really adjust their, their plans for retirement. Um, you know, now we recognize that it's, it's real and we can take the steps to make sure that, um, that you have the asset base that, that you need to, to support you and your spouse until that, until that ripe old age of 100. <laughs> well, Chris, I know you've worked with a lot of uh, families, and I often hear folks from your particular company, McMillan Estate Planning, of which you are general counsel, uh, suggest to people that, uh, you know, you better, you better get the act together. These are my words, not yours. You better get the act together and quit procrastinating because these unforeseen circumstances can uh, crop up really, really quickly. When you talk about mapping out the future uh is there uh is there a specific age group that should take it more seriously i know i've i've listened to spokespeople from your company uh before talk about look this is not age restrictive this is something you need to get on regardless of age well no and that's that's absolutely right you know particularly if if you know you own a business you know maybe if you have a real estate portfolio even even in those situations when you're young, I think you need to think about estate planning, not not so much as, you know, what happens to your assets when you die, but it's all about, you know, minimization of taxation and risk during your lifetime so that 
that ultimately your asset base is growing, uh, you know, as, as, as quickly as it potentially can. And so for, for younger folks, it makes a lot of sense to actually start to think about estate planning, you know, very much early on. Chris Sabat, General Counsel, Macmillan Estate Planning, joining us on this edition of Vancouver Consumer here at CKNW. Reach out to Chris, macmillanestate.com, macmillanestate.com, or toll-free 1-833-266-6464, 1-833-266-6464. By the way, while you're on the website, macmillanestate.com, why not sign up for one of their virtual seminars? We've got two coming up in the month of July, July 15th and 29th, beginning at uh, 5.30 in the afternoon. July 15th, July 29th, virtual seminars with the good folks from McMillan Estate Planning. And uh, you can ask all your questions of Chris and or colleagues who uh, may be present. Well, someone's going to be answering some of those questions. What What is the most asked question you get uh, when you do a seminar virtually, Chris? Uh, Any one that jumps out at you? Well, you know, a, a big subject of interest is, is trust planning. And, you know, really when we talk about trust planning, what we're talking about is protecting assets, you know, primarily for the survivor of, of a couple, you know, to make sure that things like, you know, the asset base that you've built isn't sort of lost to a subsequent spouse or to a, to a subsequent relationship, you know, when the, when the intention of the the builders of the original parent generation was that ultimately those assets would be inherited by the children. And, and then, you know, of course, by extension, you know, trust planning for children, you know, how do we protect assets against events like divorce, you know, failed businesses and creditors, um, you know, potential risks around litigation, you know, uh, probably the most common concern we hear is, you know, how do we, how do we protect these assets for us? You know, the folks that have, that have built this asset base, and ultimately for our, our children and, and in many cases their children so that they're not sort of diverted outside of the family line. Well, as a single person, never been married, no children, I don't have to worry about a uh, subsequent spouse uh, interfering with my asset. I'm more worried about keeping uh, the money away from a subsequent government. Uh, getting their mitts on a part of my estate. Is part of your estate planning protocols to uh, set up trusts and other estate planning uh, procedures that uh, help you keep more of your money and keep the hands of the government du Canada out of our pocket? Well, you know what, That's that's a huge part of estate planning. It's all about, you know, tax minimization. And so, you know, in British Columbia, there's, there's really, you know, two big uh, you know, sort of tax events that we're planning for. You know, one is probate because at the end of the day, you know, if you have a significant asset base, you're sort of looking at at uh, at a fee that's calculated based on about 1.4 percent of your estate value that's that's paid to the government when you have to probate your will. And then, of course, the other is you know the the taxes that are imposed upon a passing. And uh, you know, throughout the lifetime and on that event, what we really want to do is is find all of the ways that we possibly can to, you know, to minimize the taxes that would otherwise be, be payable. And, uh, you know, there's that old saying about a dollar saved is a dollar earned. And at the end of the day, we need to, to make sure that, that our hard work translates into a benefit for our family as opposed to revenue for Revenue Canada. 
Chris Sabat, General Counsel, McMillan Estate Planning, joining us on this edition of Vancouver Consumer at CKNW, McMillanEstate.com, McMillanEstate.com. And we encourage you to uh, sign up for their upcoming virtual seminars, July 15th and July 29th, uh, beginning at 5.30 in the afternoon, July 15th and July 29th. There is no charge for that, of course, and you can ask questions of these professionals from McMillan Estate. McMillanEstate.com, McMillanEstate.com. We have a couple minutes left in this segment, uh, Chris, but I think it's really important when we talk about protecting assets that we have some strategies moving forward and what what estate planning strategies that uh, you employ on behalf of McMillan Estate uh, would you suggest that will both grow and protect a person's estate during retirement that may last, as you mentioned earlier in this segment, retirement could last as long as we've been alive. Uh, you know, you could be in retirement for 35 years. Well, you may have worked for 35 years as well. So a 35-year retirement, you're going to need some dough. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, really key is understanding exactly what that what that cash uh, you know, the, the cash requirement will look like for retirement, but but also protecting the assets. And so, you know, primarily what we're looking at things, we're looking at things like like principal guarantees or capital guarantees. And so, you know, the idea is that what we see in the market, you know, of course, generally is, is some volatility. Um, but, you know, particularly right now, there's there's a lot of uncertainty. And so what we want to do is we want to make sure that when you plan to retire, that at least the capital that you've put into the market is available for your retirement on that on that maturity date, and um, you know as part of an estate plan, we can also look at techniques that allow you to lock in as a guarantee any growth on that initial investment. So you know as a simple example, you might put a million dollars into the market. You know we can obtain guarantees that ensure that when it comes time to retirement, or when it comes time to retire, or you need that cash, that that million dollars is actually available to you, regardless of of its you know current market value. Um, and as that you know as that million dollars or as that principal grows, you can lock in that growth so so that again upon maturity or you know in the you know in the unfortunate you know, unfortunate circumstance of a death, that that capital and its growth is available to you and to your family. Well, uh, can we not just wrap it all up in a nice, big, fat, juicy, cash-laden insurance policy? I mean, and then spend spend what you've got, but just make sure you're paying the premiums on this, you know, this big pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for our heirs. Yeah, you know, in, insurance can often be an important part of estate planning. You know, at the, at the end of the day, there are there are many different products out there that that can help with a wide variety of goals. You know, if you look at at you know your most simple policy, something like a term policy. You know, from an estate planning perspective, it works well in the sense that there are funds available for your heirs, but they don't help you as a businessman, or they don't help you, uh, you know, during your retirement. There, there are different products that we can utilize at times to do things like lower your combined tax rate. Um, we can use different insurance products to to obtain tax deferred growth. You know, sometimes to strip capital from a company that, um, you know, otherwise to, to remove would require the payment of taxes at an income tax or um, or, or a dividend tax rate. 
so, you know, certainly insurance can, can play a val- valuable role and it can help you both during your lifetime in retirement and it can help you um, or help your family upon upon your passing. It's really a question of, you know, what are your goals and, and what makes sense to you and your family? Well, we've got a lot more to cover in our next segment here at Vancouver Consumer on CKNW, joined by Chris Sabat, a general counsel, Macmillan Estate Planning, macmillanestate.com, macmillanestate.com, including, uh, when we come back, uh, savvy investors uh, getting their uh, retirement plans back on track. Uh, Chris will illuminate us on uh, how to do that through the helpful eyes and ears and knowledge of the folks at Macmillan Estate. MacmillanEstate.com. And while you're on the website, why not sign up for that free virtual seminar? Actually, two of them coming up, July 15th and July 29th, beginning at 5.30. July 15th and July 29th. And you can ask your questions specifically to the professionals at Macmillan Estate. MacmillanEstate.com. Chris, we covered a lot in the first segment uh, but one of the things that came to mind during the break are some of the ways, uh, and you had mentioned this uh, before in your previous appearances on Vancouver Consumer, some of the ways that will help savvy investors get their retirement plans back on track. Uh, why don't you uh, give us a little repeat uh, discussion on that? Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a, it's an important subject. Um you know, really, at the end of the day, what it's called is leveraged investing. And so what, what you're doing practically is you're borrowing funds to invest in the market. And, you know, traditionally, that's that's not a good estate planning technique. Um, you know, we, we generally prefer approaches that are conservative in nature. You know, the goal is that we want to ensure that, that we have suitable assets for retirement or for your latter years or ultimately for, for your estate so that your goals and objectives can be met. But, you know, the traditional form of leveraged investing usually involves the use of a margin account. So what you're doing ultimately is borrowing against the value of that account. And the unfortunate risk is that if the value of the account drops, you end up with the dreaded margin call where, you know, where your banker's calling you and saying, look, by, you know, within 24 hours or within a couple of days, I need you to deposit X into your account or we're going to start to liquidate assets. And, you know, of course, sometimes that happens at, at a loss. As part of estate planning, what we look at is a technique where you can you can accomplish the exact same thing. You can borrow funds, you can put them into the market, but there's no risk of a margin call. And that's supplemented with that, that capital guarantee that I referenced before. And so what you might be doing as an example is, you know, maybe you're borrowing two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, sometimes you're you know, pledging an amount, maybe maybe, you know, a half million dollars to borrow another half million dollars. And at the end of the day, that, that capital, both the amount that you've borrowed and any amount that you've contributed yourself, there's a principal guarantee associated with it. So really your risk in this, in this technique is that you have to be able to pay the interest that's associated with the loan, which of course is a, is a tax deduction in and of itself. So, so it actually can quite work quite well. Um, and it can eliminate a lot of the risk. And so what you have then is you have more capital at work in the market, and of course you can recover faster. And uh, it's it's you know quite a valuable technique. It's something we used a lot after 2008. And uh, you know many of the clients saw you know very very significant returns, and were able to get sort of their goals on on track. And and you know if nothing else, one of the goals is always to increase wealth and 
and that's certainly accomplished. Yeah, that, that would be my number one goal if I was in your biz. <laughs> I think it would be to increase a person's value. But also, I think too, Chris, you know, you know better than anybody because you're dealing with it every day, but money is very emotional. It, it brings out some emotions. You're either very gleeful or very glum, depending on how you're doing financially. And some of the strategies that uh, you and the good folks at McMillan Estate are employing uh, for investors, savvy or not, are those uh, procedures and assets that you're getting into that give the investor, the Manny Bazunas of the world, uh, control over what is happening. I, I think that's the key word. I've got to feel in control. Otherwise, I don't know what the heck is going on with my dough. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, from, from my perspective, and I, you know, I think from, from the perspective of most people, there's nothing worse than waking up in the morning and hearing that the markets are down 5% or, or, or more. Um, you know, you immediately start to, to think, well, geez, what, what's next? Is it going to drop further? What does this mean? You know, how are my goals and, and objectives at risk? You know, is this, is this just a, a hiccup or is, is, is this something that's going to be for the long term? And, you, you know, what was interesting to McMillan is that uh, you would expect that in March when the markets really dropped, that our phone would be ringing off the hook and our, our, our clients and the families that we work with would be saying to us, look, it, I'm, I'm concerned about the value of my portfolio. And in reality, the phone wasn't ringing at all. And the reason for that is that, you know, many of the families that we worked with in February had reset that guarantee that's associated with their accounts. So, you know, over the last few years, they've grown, you know, maybe from a million dollars to you know, $1.4 million. They've locked in that guarantee on, on maturity or on death. And they knew that no matter what was happening to the market, that, you know, that $1.4 million would be there for them and their family you know, on either of those, those events. And so I think that that, that helps to provide some comfort and, and some security. And, and as you've described it, kind of return that feeling of control. And, you know, as we get, as we age and we get into our latter years, we don't necessarily have the luxury of waiting for a market, for the market to turn around. You know, if it's kind of slow and gradual, like it was initially after 2008, the reality is, you know, some of us won't won't be here to see that recovery, and and that's, you know, that that does leave a, a sense of a loss of control. Well, that bulging demographic of which I am one, uh, the baby boomers, Chris, uh, time is not on our side. We've got to make sure that our estate planning is uh, current and protective, uh, building a, a shield around uh, our asset base and the rest of the world. And you need professionals to do that for you. And we're suggesting you go straight to uh, Macmillan Estate Planning. They're the they're most prestigious company in, in the country when it comes to estate planning. MacmillanEstate.com. MacmillanEstate.com. Chris Sabat is general counsel with Macmillan Estate planning. There are two types of people I've met uh, during the course of uh, my career and personal life, uh, Chris, when it comes to wills. Uh, those who uh, are really glad they're in someone's will, for better or worse, and those who want to get into a will. Uh, wills can be tricky. Absolutely, they can be. Um, you know, it's, it's important to remember what a will is. You know, at the end of the day, what a will is, is is an asset distribution plan. It's really just spelling out, you know, who gets what. Um, 
you know, what it isn't is a tax plan. It's not an estate plan. Um, you know, it, it can actually create some some issues for, for you and your family. And, uh, you know, our, our general rule around the office is that, you know, once your asset base is somewhere in excess of a million dollars, you've maybe kind of outgrown the traditional will and it's time to look at something a little bit a little bit more complex to, to make sure you actually have a comprehensive estate plan and you know, something more than just a, a matrix deciding sort of who gets what and, and how much, if that makes sense. Well, it does. Um, you know, I, the media is full of horror stories of people battling over money that they believe they're entitled to. And a good part of that are people who have been excised from a will or never included in a will and feel they're owed some dough. I mean, how do you protect a family through estate planning from uh, those interlopers from the outside who want some of your assets? Well, you know what, that's, that's a fantastic question. Um, you know, there's often sort of, you know, maybe the black sheep of the family, you know, individuals that feel that they have an entitlement that, that they don't. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we all have the right to dispose of our assets in whatever manner that we would, you know, that we would like. You know, there's the odd exception, but but that's the general rule. And so if you think that there's going to be something contentious about your estate and, you know, potential fight over a will, that's where you really ought to be turning to trust planning. And, you know, there are techniques that we can utilize that basically allow the passing of your estate to the people that you want to to, to receive it um, outside of your will. And so by, you know, eliminating the use of the will, you eliminate that ability to, to challenge it. And so if you think that, you know, part of your legacy might be a bit of a, a fight or a squabble over assets, it's really time to think about, about doing something other than utilizing a will. Well, give us uh, a couple of other strategies that will help uh, increase our asset value. You had mentioned the last time you were on Vancouver Consumer, Chris, uh, the Insurance Act, ACT, Insurance Act. Uh, What are the exact benefits of the Insurance Act? Because this is not something that would generally pop into one's mind when they're talking about estate planning. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right about that. So, you know, generally speaking, just high level, there's there's sort of two ways that you can invest. You can invest under the Bank Act, and that's often your, your typical investment portfolio. And then there's another regime that's, you know, often utilized, especially by society's most uh, affluent, I would suggest, but, but it works well for, for everyone of every income level. And that's the Insurance Act. And often you can have the exact same form of investment under each. Um, The benefit, though, of of holding that portfolio under the Insurance Act, which is very common in estate planning, is that you get those those guarantees that I've I've been referencing. You are able to bypass probate. So, you know, as an example, if you have a million-dollar portfolio and it has to go through probate, you can basically strip 1.4% of that value from your family and, and assume that it's going to the government because it, it will, but, you know, under the Insurance Act, that, that doesn't happen. Um, and, you know, for professionals, and, you know, myself being one of them, a lawyer, you know, medical professionals, engineers, um, assets that are held under the Insurance Act and invested under the Insurance Act, they're they're protected from creditors and, and litigation, and so there's some some additional assurance that those funds will be there 
uh, you know, for your retirement or, or for your family. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's quite a valuable, quite a valuable tool. And, you know, unfortunately, the way things are structured in Canada, because of the way our, you know, the way the licensing works for various investment advisors, most investment advisors aren't even permitted to, to talk to you about some of the benefits under the Insurance Act. You know, generally speaking, you're, you know, folks are licensed either under the Bank Act or the Insurance Act, and they don't talk about the other products. And unfortunately, that that provides a bit of a disservice to the end user. Well, that's one of the great benefits of seeking out uh, the professionals at Macmillan Estate Planning. Uh, they are licensed to uh, help you out with this under the Insurance Act, among other acts that uh, will help investors uh, retain and preserve uh, the value of their assets upon passing and uh, throughout our retirement years. MacmillanEstate.com, MacmillanEstate.com, Chris Sabat, General Counsel, Macmillan Estate Planning. In the minute or so we've got left, uh, Chris, uh, give us a little rundown of what we can expect from your virtual seminars coming up July 15th and July 29th. Absolutely. So we're going to, you know, we'll, we'll spend probably 35 to 40 minutes. We'll talk about you know, your legal plan, use of wills, powers of attorney, those sorts of things, uh, you know, trust planning, some techniques that, that are utilized to minimize taxation, uh, things like estate freezes, you know, we'll touch on leverage investing. Um, you know, the intention is to, to provide, you know, a broad overview of some of the estate planning techniques and and opportunities. And what we always do is encourage folks, you know, whether you've attended the seminar or not, to, to give us a call and and we'll talk to them about about their unique circumstances on a complimentary basis and and see how some of the estate planning opportunities that we might present can can benefit them and and their family. Well, as Chris points out, there are two seminars, July 15th, July 29th. Uh, register. There's no charge, of course, uh, on the website, macmillanestate.com, or, as Chris said, reach out by phone, 1-833-266-6464. 1-833-266-6464. Chris Sabat, General Counsel, Macmillan Estate Planning. You are listening to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. Back in a moment. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. Time again for another edition of Ask Andrew, Andrew Ferreira, our executive producer here at Vancouver Consumer. This was a uh, family experience for you. You were telling me, Andrew, the corner store is making a comeback. Hopefully. Uh, the city of Vancouver, uh, and, and this is definitely in light of, of COVID-19 and the kind of we kind of want people to stay a little bit spread out, if you will. Uh, the, the city of Vancouver is looking to revive corner stores. And I, I talked about this earlier with you, but I remember as a child, and it seems like today is all about my childhood memories. Um, first was berry picking, and now it's this. Yeah. Uh, but when I was a kid, there was a, there was a, my, my godparents actually used to, used to run a grocery uh, a corner store in, in East Vancouver. Uh, it's no longer there anymore. It's been replaced by a cute cafe, which I've actually gone to a couple times. But that's beside the point. It's important to me that corner stores exist because they they provide such an important service that I think gets overlooked. Uh, sure, they may not be able to compete with your big box stores on price. You know that that's that's a hard ask a lot of the time. But where they can compete is in terms of convenience and quality of service and community life is the, is the best way I can put it. 
people will sit outside a corner store. People will talk to you at a corner store. People will congregate there. It makes neighborhoods feel more alive, really. And so I think this even goes beyond the consumer aspect of simply having a place close to home that you can buy you know, small things that you might need in a pinch that you don't want to go all the way down to your local big box store. I think this really does help in the overall kind of almost transformation that we're beginning to see with communities as we move out of the pandemic, because we're starting to want to kind of decentralize a lot of things right now. And this is the perfect opportunity. If you can get, you know, a good chunk of your, you know, your daily groceries, some knickknacks, and if you're the kid in me, uh, your crunch bars and uh, gum from the corner store, then why wouldn't you want to revive them? You know, if you look back in the early uh, in the early 20th century, there were, you know, more than 200 and something uh, corner stores in the city of Vancouver. And that number is less than half now. Um, they're a dying breed. And you know, we brought this up and you'll be able to speak to this. One of the only places that you really see them now is near schools because where else are kids going to go to get snacks and where else do a lot of kids go to get their first jobs? Well, the corner store always, I think, traditionally had the best candy section. Those are my fondest oh, memories. <laughs> so I didn't realize that there were still a hundred left. I, I'm surprised there are that many. Yeah, according to the city of Vancouver in the 2010s, and they classify these as neighborhood retail locations. Oh, okay. They're not necessarily corner stores, but they're not, you know, part of like main streets or thoroughfares. There's 163. But I, I, I can't help but feel that every year since 2010, that number has gone down. Yeah, developers have taken over some of those corners. Obviously, I guess today's version of the corner store is a 7-Eleven. Yeah. You know, and that, not to downplay 7-Eleven, obviously, but... I do miss those corner stores. There was a certain I know I know the one that I used to go to as a kid and it's funny that you remember the smell. It was always oh, yes. yeah, the, the smell of the corner store was yep. just awesome. But uh, yeah, the best candy section. Ah, to go back to those and I'm really glad that the city of Vancouver is looking to somehow uh, and hopefully they'll have to get the tax situation sorted out, the property tax situation before anybody invests yep. in a corner store. But that that's great. That's, that's going back in time and in such a good way. Andrew Ferrer, executive producer of Vancouver Consumer. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. We'll see you next time. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.